Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. Well, this morning to uh, to work with you this morning, and let's try to answer the question of what makes God filled with joy? What what gives Him joy? We understand this on, on different levels as, as parents, possibly if you're a parent here this morning, but uh, or if you're a friend. But what gives us joy for other people? What gives us joy for our children? We get this. In our family, it was pretty simple. As our kids were being born and growing up, uh, there was tremendous rejoicing when our kids could go to the toilet by themselves. Uh, if you're a father here or a mother, you understand exactly what that means. The second joy was when they could go to the toilet and actually take care of themselves in the toilet. This was another, you know, huge step in the right direction. We rejoiced uh, when our kids started walking. Uh, that was an amazing thing to see our kids move their legs. Oh, they're healthy. They're not going to die early. They're, they actually can move. Exciting. Exciting. We rejoiced when our kids could tie their own shoes. Do you, do you remember that for yourself when you learned how to tie your shoe for the first time? It was a big, big celebration. So uh, you know that our family's here visiting with us. It's been incredible, absolutely incredible. They got here on Tuesday, and uh, it's just been fun to watch my kids with their kids and uh, seeing what's important to my children for their kids. Uh, it's been really, really cool to watch. One of the uh, things early on since they've been here is that Chad is very concerned, my son Chad, very, very concerned that his children understand all things Namibia. Uh, to not miss out on very unique and interesting things that are specific to this country because my son Chad is Namibian and he was raised on um, farm doodlers. Have you ever uh, had a farm doodler? Delicious. So it's important to my son that my kids drink and love farm doodler. Uh, in addition to good meat, what? Vors, uh, yes, uh, yes, yes. Vors, Chimsbach, uh, uh, Biltong, uh, and on and on it goes. Uh, it's very, very important. It was important to my son that that uh, my uh, my granddaughter Penelope enjoyed flight. Uh, it was one of her first times to ever be on a plane. Was it her first time, Chad? No. But to to enjoy the excitement of taking off and landing, wanted him to, her to experience this incredible things that he enjoys that he likes. Let's not forget to mention nougat bars and many other wonderful things that are part of this place that are not a part of that place. We just uh, went to Etosha for a couple of days and uh, it was very important to my children that my granddaughters understood how special it was to be watching elephants freely roaming and enjoying life just outside the car, not to mention all the other animals that we saw. And we're hoping they actually truly appreciate it as much as we hoped that they would. I'll, I'll say this, though, about my son and, and, and Brianna. Chad and Brianna, if you ask them, the one thing, though, that is most important for their children, if you said, okay, what is the one thing you wish they understood more than anything else? I can promise you they would say that their children understood that God loves them and that they could belong to God. If you're a, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you have children, that is your greatest desire for your kids, is that they would know that God loves them and that they would experience this phenomenon of becoming a child of God. 
That is your greatest desire if you follow Jesus Christ, is that your kids would understand that, that they can belong. It's in this belonging that everything else comes from. Identity we have in Christ, belonging to Him, every good thing comes from that. Every good thing comes from that. What causes God to rejoice? God is filled with joy when we understand that we belong to Him. That's what gives God joy. Uh, Luke 10, read with me. Luke 10, verses 17 and following. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. At that same time, Jesus was filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. And he said, Oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. My Father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the Son except the Father, and no one truly knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So when they were alone, he turned to his disciples and said, Blessed are the eyes that see what you have seen. I tell you, many prophets and kings long to see what you see, but they didn't see it. And they long to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. Jesus' ministry was all about us understanding that we can belong, that we can have our identity in Him as children of God. Jesus' own ministry was launched by a declaration from His Father of belonging. Luke 3, verse 21 and 22. Look at that last verse, verse 22. And the Holy Spirit, this is after he's being baptized, he says this, what? The Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove, and a voice from heaven said, what? You are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. The commissioning of Christ, the sending out of God into the world to do ministry, was launched from a perspective of belonging, that he belonged to his father, that he was loved by his father. And that's what launched him into success. That's what launched him into his conviction to everything he did was because he was connected and knew he was, knew he was connected to the Father as a child, as a son, the Son Jesus Christ. Jesus' identity was firmly rooted in being the beloved of the Father before he engaged in any kind of public ministry. When you realize for 30 years of his life, roughly about 30 years of his life, before he launched into ministry, he did nothing extraordinary, except he just was. He was with his family. I think he was a carpenter. But when, when he heard that you are my son whom I love, whom I'm well pleased, that's what launched him into ministry. We see this as he continues. Is that, this is the gospel, right? This is truly the gospel of the kingdom and the expansion of the kingdom is that more and more people would understand that they belong and can belong to the Father. Our identity in Christ, adoption as sons, become not only children of God, we become his friends. Luke 4.43 says this, when he uh, is, is propelled out, commissioned by this identity of his that he belongs to the Father, he says this, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too because that's why I was sent. I need to... He was about the Father's business because he belonged to the Father. And you see this carried on, this theme of belonging that is central to every aspect of Jesus' life and ministry. 
He's inviting us to understand that as well. That more important than anything else is that our identity in Christ is the, is the commissioning, it's the proportion that sends us out into this world successful. Uh, Luke, Luke 9, we see that Jesus sent out the 12 apostles. And then later in that same chapter, we see the transfiguration where Jesus is sitting with Peter, James, and John. And uh, this unbelievable transformation takes place of Jesus. Uh, you might know the story. They're sitting there, and uh, because Peter is nervous, he says, listen, can I build you all a house? <laughs> the Bible tells us that he was nervous. You would be too if someone transfigured right in front of you and became in the full appearance of God because he is God. But this is the voice that, that came out of that cloud when the transfiguration took place, Luke 9, verse 35. What does he say? He can say anything, but he says this. Then a voice from the cloud said, this is my son. My chosen one, listen to him. This commissioning of Christ and the sending out of, of, of Jesus and the disciples was based on identity, was based on belonging. Don't rejoice because you have power over evil. Don't rejoice because you have power over the natural world. Don't rejoice because you have power Rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Luke 10, verse 20. Nevertheless, do not rejoice to this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Get excited about that. I am convinced that the, the reason why many people do not continue to follow God is because there is their connection. There's a, only a thin thread of connection between their, themselves and their understanding that they belong to the Father. Very often we associate ourselves and we belong to religion or we belong to a style of worship or we belong to a, a, a preacher that we enjoy listening to or we enjoy a building or we enjoy a, a community. And because the thread is too thin to our understanding of our identity, who we belong to, then we pull away. Because what truly matters, what truly is significant is that we belong. The fact is, is that Jesus looks at us and says, I see you. I know you, and that's what holds us fast. I see you. God looks at us and he says, we are together. We're family. That's more important than anything else, and that's what launches us into our commissioning, to our lives, that launches us into a world that is difficult, that we can, we can thrive in a difficult world when we know we belong. We need to rejoice in our identity in Christ, much more than rejoicing in our successes or failures in this world or all of the pyrotechnics that are part of so many of our churches, of all the frou-frou, as someone would call it, <laughs> all the fluff. What really is important is that we are one in Christ Jesus. We belong to him. We're family. There's tremendous power of belonging. We understand this. We understand the power of belonging, right? That's why we get married. That's why we have a girlfriend or boyfriend very often. It's why we make a lot of most of our decisions is that we want to belong. It's why we stay in jobs or why we leave jobs. Very often we have no community in jobs and so we look for some other place we can work because we're looking ultimately, yes, to be paid a salary, but we're also looking for community. We're looking for a place where we can belong. Most decisions that we make are, are motivated by this desire for belonging, identity of some sort. John, the apostle, years and years and years after Jesus has died and rose, risen again, 
many, many years. He's exiled on the island of Patmos, and he writes this in 1 John 3, verses 1 through 3. This is still what's keeping him settled, what's keeping him centered. He says this, See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us what? His children. And that is what we are. John is looking at his life, and he realizes that above everything else, what's most important is that he belongs to the Father. And his understanding was this is evidence of how deeply he was loved. The people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. Dear friends, we are already God's children, but, we, but he has not yet shown us what will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure just as he is pure. John's whole motivation of life to be pure, anticipating the future. His hope was rested in the fact that he is a child of God. John is still with God today. He continues to live in the presence of God, his Father. In our belonging, it's in our belonging that we are commissioned. In other words, that we're sent out by God. It makes sense to be sent out by God to lead others to belong when we also belong. It's difficult to tell someone about how wonderful it is to become a child of God when we ourselves are not a child of God and cannot discuss or describe how wonderful it is to be a child of God. Our commissioning comes from our belonging. Our purpose in life comes from our belonging. Everything we do, every decision we make, the good ones come from our understanding of belonging to God. All of our authority that we have as human beings comes from our belonging to the King of Kings. Our commissioning, our purpose, our authority as children of God is based on the fact that we are children of God. Church, I ask you this morning to consider, to look at yourself and consider if you understand fully what it means to belong to God. That is everything. This is what Jesus was so excited about, was that his apostles got that. They understood that they belong to the Father. I do believe that we, we rejoice over wrong things. Or to put it a different way, we have misplaced rejoicing. Have you ever misplaced your rejoicing? Rejoice in the bizarre things. The disciples here are so excited because uh, you know, they had power, <laughs> that they had authority over the evil. We saw demons head out. Jesus said, well, yeah, me too. I saw Satan fall from heaven. I can see him saying kind of casually, <laughs> yeah, it was me. That was great. Not, like, not unlike a father speaking to their child who's excited about everything but except they should, what they should be excited about. It's like the child who was walking across a river and he had a, Brand new pair of pants on her shirt, going to school. That is, he was crossing the river. A crocodile got free and bit his, a chunk of his pants out and then took, took off a section of his arm. When my friend and colleague picked him up to rush him to the hospital, you know the first thing he said? My pants. <laughs> Instead of, my arm. My arm. 
we have misplaced rejoicing. We rejoice over the fall of evil, right? Some evil dictator or whatever dies, very often we hear it in the news and we go, yes, finally. And sometimes we're hoping that some of those dictators will die, right? I mean, do, do, you, do you do that? Do you, do you watch the news and going, uh, you know, maybe someone could kill that guy. We rejoice that we have, when we have power over the natural world, that somehow we survived, you know, overcame some horrible evil uh, that was in the world, some natural disaster that we somehow missed. We get excited about that. Whenever we're able to overcome evil, we, we're thrilled by that. When we have a momentary invulnerability to physical harm, when we can, we can endure and outlast everyone else and we're so strong and we're mighty, we get excited. Nothing wrong with uh, the power that God gives us to overcome evil. Wonderful. Praise the Lord for that. But Jesus is saying, don't get stuck there. Focus on the fact and rejoice in the fact that you belong to God, that your, your names are written in heaven. This is the gospel, that we belong. We need to rejoice that we belong. Jesus goes on, Luke 10, verse 21. At that same time, Jesus was filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit, and he said, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. My Father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the Son except the Father, and no one truly knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then when they were alone, he turned to his disciples and said, Blessed are your eyes that you see what you have seen. I tell you, many prophets and kings long to see what you see, but they didn't see it. But they longed to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. You see, the fact is, is that God rejoices when the ordinary, not the wise in their own eyes, but the ordinary, the humble, understand that they belong, that they are children of God. When they get it, we celebrate that we get it. I was hiking with a friend of mine uh, years ago uh, in the beautiful mountains of Colorado. It was one of my first times really to go backpacking, and um, he was a seasoned backpacker. He had been everywhere, and he'd been in some rough places. We were hiking in some of the most pristine beauty in the whole world, and the weather was good, you know, bonus. So we're walking at the, the feet of snow-capped mountains, can we just imagine that, Namibians, at the foot of snow-capped mountains? We're cruising, we're feeling great, and just having the time of our life. And my, my friend looked over to me and says, you know, really, this is really wasted on you. So what are you talking about? He said, you've never actually had bad camping. <laughs> and I said, yeah, so? He said, well, I don't think you can really enjoy this as much as you really should be. I hiked with that guy for a whole week, and every single day he reminded me that I did not appreciate the beauty as much as he did. I think we as believers very often do not appreciate what it means to truly be a child of God, how important that is, how significant that is. And maybe it's because we haven't truly experienced what that means to, to really root deeply in the love of God. But for whatever the reason, God is asking us to retune, to refocus onto that. 
And it's a blessing. God says it's a blessing if we understand that, if we can actually catch that, if we're wise enough to understand that to be a child of God is more important than anything else. That's what he's saying here. He's rejoicing that his apostles actually got it. He says, God, thank you that you revealed this to these people. Now, these were not educated people, right? Some, you know, fishermen, they weren't the wise and learned, but they were willing to humble themselves. And that's the reality is that, that God has chosen to reveal this amazing truth to people who are ordinary, to people who are not extraordinary. God rejoices in the spirit that this privilege was given to the childlike. God's plan is with the ordinary and the unlearned. His strategy employs the uneducated, the poor, the childlike, the ones who cry, Abba, Father. God rejoices in a more effective strategy, ordinary people. God will accomplish his plan through the ordinary. They outnumber the prophets. They outnumber the educated. They outnumber the kings. They outnumber the apostles. Our picture needs to change from 100 pastors, let's say, in Vintuk, to 100,000 called ordinary members of God's family. When you think about that, the 100,000, instead of the few skilled pastors and leaders, what they could do for the sake of the gospel here in the city, if they understood that they belonged to the king. Imagine if 100,000 in this city understood, got how important it was that they are children of the Almighty. Wow, what would they do? How would they be launched? Let's pray that God will raise up and embolden the vast army that already exists in this place. This church this morning, maybe 100, 130, I think, this morning. Imagine if every one of you understood the majesty and beauty of belonging understood that being a child of God is better than anything else. And imagine if a whole city got that, caught that, understood it. Not just a few pastors or leaders, but the army that exists here. When it was time for Jesus to choose disciples, he didn't go to the theological institutes or seminaries of the day, right? Rather, Jesus chose disciples who knew more about fishing and tax collecting than about the Bible. And when God searched for someone he could use to write the majority of the New Testament, he chose the Apostle Paul, a mercenary, a killer, who was once one of the meanest Christian killers of all time. But Jesus transformed him. And Paul never forget, forgot ever that without Christ, he's nothing. And so he served God out of his weakness, but in the strength of God. An ordinary man, an evil man, a crook but God used him tremendously. When the, or, when the ordinary people like you and me understand that we belong to the Father, wow, what God can do through us. What God can do through us. This is the celebration in the stories and parables that Jesus told through Scripture was this celebration of actually uh, things that were lost being found and the celebration of those that were lost actually being discovered and found. This morning, we need to celebrate the fact that we have been found, if indeed we are children of God, and that we belong to God. That's the celebration in Luke 15, right? Luke 15, verse 6. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have what? I found my lost sheep. 
In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. What gives God joy? When people belong to him, when people come to him. That's what gives God joy. That's what should give us joy. And that's what should commission us and propel us into a life serving him. You know the issue, if you keep reading in Luke 15, there's this whole story of the prodigal son, right? Remember the story of the prodigal son? Son goes off, squanders his father's riches. And then when he comes back, what does his father do? His father puts him in prison, right? And has him pay everything back. No, he gets the finest robe, covers him with the robe, celebrates. They have a huge party because what? He was lost, now he is found. This is the heart of God. His joy is when we become his kids, when we become his. That's what really, really excites the father. The other son, you know in the story of the prodigal son, the other son who actually uh, was irritated with his father for having a party for this jerk brother of his. Jerk, that's what he thought he was. What did his father say? He said, you, my son, have always belonged to me. You have had everything. You've owned everything that I have. You still belong to me. In other words, how did the, how did the father tone the other brother down? He says, don't forget, you belong to me. And you, have, you own everything I own. So let's celebrate that this person over here, your brother who forgot that, is now back. Let's celebrate that. We need to celebrate that we belong to the Father. We need to celebrate when others come to the Father. We have so much to celebrate, right? I still celebrate, get excited when I think about my own children who learned how to take care of themselves. And every single step of their life, the more and more self-sufficient they began, I celebrated because I knew they were maturing. They were growing up. I, I am blessed. I have four children who, good grief, they're smarter than I ever thought to be. They're way more advanced than I think I'll ever be in my lifetime. I celebrate that. But what means more to me than anything else is that they're children of God. I, I tell you honestly, this is where I celebrate. I, I'm, I'm grateful that they're gainfully employed. I'm even grateful that all four of my children know how to drive a manual transmission car. In America, that's kind of a rare thing because we Americans sell a lot of automatic cars, not many manual transmissions anymore. All of my children drive manual, Namibians. But more important than that is that they belong to God can't excite a follower of Jesus more when they see that their own kids love Jesus. And you can't grieve parents more that follow Jesus Christ when their kids do not follow Jesus. What makes us happy? What makes you happy this morning? What, what thrills you this morning? What thrills you for your children? God wants to rejoice, us to rejoice that we belong to him over everything else. This morning, I want us to continue to worship him and us to remember that uh, we have been redeemed, that we have, through great sacrifice, that we have been made his children. But we're going to do the Lord's Supper this morning and like for our worship team to come on up.
And uh, I have amazing helpers here. You know who you are. Uh, if if our three helpers will come forward here and stand by the uh, the table, aren't these amazing helpers, people? I, I'm sorry, helpers. That was a bit delayed there. Yeah, yeah. I think they really meant it though from their heart. Yeah. Jesus asked us before he was crucified, he gave this commissioning to his disciples, apostles. He said, listen, uh, do this in remembrance of me. Remember me. Remember what I've done for you. Remember this. And he took bread, he broke it, and he gave bread to his apostles and they ate it together. He says, this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. Eat this in remembrance of me. That Jesus gave his life so that we could become children of God. He literally gave his flesh as a sacrifice so that we could have right relationship with God the Father, that we could become his children. And after they broke bread and passed it around and ate it in remembrance of the flesh that was sacrificed, then he took a cup, a cup of wine, and they passed it around and says, remember this, drink this in remembrance of the blood that was shed. And we are invited every time we come together to remember the sacrifice of Christ that produced the bridgeway so that we could become children of God, so that we could belong. We are asked by God on a regular basis for us to remember that we belong to Christ because of his sacrifice, that we are children of God because of what he did for us. So this morning we want to do that. I'm going to ask uh, the lovely helpers if we could just to give you everything, the bread, and the cup and then we're going to eat and drink together all right so when you get your cracker hold on to it young people we're going to eat this together just in case you're wondering in our church we like for those who are children of God only to, to take this as a remembrance. It's difficult to remember something that doesn't apply to you, where you have not experienced this for yourself. We like for only those who are children of God to please share this with us today. Children of God, you know who you are.
Paul writes in his letter to the Corinthians, he says this. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's drink together. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we, uh, Lord, we pause and we remember. We think through, Lord, we process the tremendous sacrifice that you made on the cross. Lord, the brutal way in which you were punished before you were crucified. Lord, we know that uh, enormous amounts of blood and flesh dropped from your body, Lord, as you suffered and you hung. Lord Jesus, we know that the gift of life, the gift of becoming your child is free. But Father, we acknowledge today, Father, that we, it was a, we know that it was a great sacrifice of yours. And Lord, we thank you for that. Thank you, Father, for taking our punishment. Thank you, Father, for being stripped and humiliated, beat, persecuted. Lord, because of your extraordinary love for us, 
Lord, thank you for doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. God, we give you praise. We thank you, Father. And Lord, we celebrate that we belong to you, Father. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Let's stand and let's worship together. This is Rico Veca, and I am also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today, and it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.